Meet Doreen. She's 39 and dealing with chronic digestive issues. She often feels off after eating with tons of gas and bloating. Her bowels are not regular and her life is often dependent on what's happening with her stomach. When I met Doreen, I saw that she was eating a fairly standard American diet with some processed foods, fried foods, as well as a good amount of gluten and dairy. So I thought to myself, okay, easy. I will just adjust her diet and she will be feeling better in no time. However, as we got to talking, she told me that she's seen six different integrative doctors, some of whom I knew personally and ones that are very skilled in her trade. So why didn't those therapies help? As I probed her more about what she's already done, I noticed she was pretty down on herself and the more positive I sounded, the more negative she did. She told me about all of the things she didn't like or that didn't work, though some of them she admitted she didn't even try. She had lots of friends who were also in a place of despair with their health, and she constantly referred to the fact that there's likely no hope for her, just like these people that she knew that are continuously suffering. It almost sounded like she didn't think that she deserved to feel better, and she doubted everything that she tried. I knew that food was a huge factor, but I also sensed this went a lot deeper. We needed to put everything together to solve this health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Doreen, her digestive issues and the lack of results over years of seeing various practitioners. Was it that all those practitioners failed her by not customizing the treatment properly? Maybe, but was there something else in the mix? Joining me on the show today to talk more about this is Roxanne Safai. Roxy is an empowering coach, celebrity makeup artist, beauty and wellness consultant, and the founder and host of Black Belt Beauty Radio, a leading podcast in optimizing self-development, life performance, and health. Roxy, I am so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much. I am honored and so excited to be here with you as well. Thank you. So when we talk about healing... It's usually a comprehensive approach and how we perceive things and our attitude towards them plays a huge part. So when looking at digestion, we often think about food and things like dysbiosis and leaky gut, biochemistry, but that's not always everything. What are some other things that could be involved in a healing journey, in your opinion? You know, I really think that how we view ourselves has a lot to do with our overall wellness. Um, you know, the kind of like our self-identity, um, self-worth, self-love, all of that really is going to play into our overall health. Those things are uh, driving forces to keep us in healthy states um, by way of like our habits, you know, when it comes to food, when it comes to fitness and things of that nature. So self-identity, um, mindset, self-talk, all of that plays a huge role in, in our overall health and wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't agree more. So when we think about mindset, you know, out of all of these things, how important do you feel is that part, the mindset? It's funny. It's, it, I really think that it's actually the most important thing because 
it really is the catalyst to get you to do the things that are going to support your health and wellness. So again, like choosing foods that offer optimal nutrition for your body, um, you know, getting up and getting movement in throughout your day, um, even just paying attention to, you know, the information that you take in by way of the TV that you watch, the kind of friendships that you have, and those conversations that you're having, all of that is stemming from this kind of mindset that, you know, you uphold within yourself. And then again, going back to self-identity. So I really see it as uh, the foundational piece before everything else, you know, just to kind of elaborate a little further, like if you don't feel worthy of being healthy, of being, you know, your your great living your fullest potential in life, well, you're probably not going to be choosing foods that are going to support that. You're also probably not going to be making sure that you're getting up and you're getting your movement in every day. You are probably watching, you know, things on TV that are kind of what I call um low level consumption, you know, things that are not elevating you, inspiring you and and making you more um you know, aggressive and motivated to be reaching for this kind of highest potential of self. So mindset is huge for me. Mm, I'm so glad you're saying that. And you know, in Doreen's case, one of the things that she would say, and she didn't come out right and say it, but she would mention things like, "Mm, but I don't know if it's really going to happen, or is it really worth it? Or am I really worth it? Or is this really good enough? You know, and these are a lot of those hints kind of saying that, you know, if someone isn't feeling worthy, of being healthy, like you said, then it's going to be an issue. Yeah. You know, um, you know, when I hear that, I kind of register it as you are setting yourself up to fail right out the gate. It's kind of like you have this victim mindset or you have the champion mindset really. And, you know, the champion mindset is going to look at a scenario, a challenge on any level, whether it's your health, your biology, you know, um, things in your work life, your relationship, and, you know, understand and respect it as this is hard. You know, I, I don't know how to necessarily get through this scenario, but I know that I have what it takes to win this, to beat this, to get better. You know, the other mindset is, is not, perpetuating that motivation, that drive, that self-confidence, that really just that belief in self that um, I can, you know, I can get through this. I can beat this. Um, I am worthy to win this challenge. So that's, yeah, it's a kind of a simple breakdown, but I really do believe that um, it's an effective breakdown when it comes to mindset and approaches, you know, so really like paying attention to your entry point into a challenge is very important. So having this kind of self-talk, this doubt, this kind of negative approach is right there going to diminish your ability to make the gains, to make the progress, to succeed the challenge. And speaking of that, how often do you think is it that this mindset is going to derail our efforts? Because a lot of people may not even realize that they have this mindset because they might not have been paying attention to what their inner dialogue is saying, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, first of all, I think it's something that um, you, you just, you don't stop training. For the rest of your life, this is something that the same way that you have to keep moving your body, um, the same way you want to make sure that you're fueling your body optimally, you have to take your mind to the gym every day. You have to start paying attention to your thoughts. 
um, which, you know, I have methodologies for that, uh, that are very supportive. Um, but it is something that because most people, like you said, we are not aware, most people are not aware of their actual thoughts, right? They're just kind of thinking. But when you start to for example, meditation is a huge uh, method for, for, you know, being able to witness your thoughts and kind of create a separation between you and your thoughts so that you can watch them. And then, you know, from a very student perspective, not judging, but just watching, you're able to then guard the thoughts that you are going to invest in, that you are going to allow into your mind and take up the real estate. You want to be very watchful for those thoughts. But going back to what you said, if you're not even aware of these thoughts and they're just kind of, you know, on autopilot, it's just how you think it's going to be hard to do that. What would you say is something people can do to start to become more aware? Because I think so many people just don't even know that they have those thoughts. They, they're very fleeting. You know, they come and go and people just, I think, don't catch them often enough. Sure. Yeah. Great question. So I think number one is to realize that that is the truth that, you know, you can create a separation between you and your thoughts, and then you can start to um, decide what thoughts you're going to allow in. So it's, it's really kind of accepting that concept first, and then comes the practices. My two favorite, and you know, this is something that I know anecdotally, that has supported me to live from a very empowered mindset in my life. And also it is what I share with the people that I work with to support them to live from their most empowered uh, mindset. And it's, it's, it's effective all around. So number one would be journaling would be writing. Um, I have been writing for the entirety of my life and it has been such an incredible tool for me to become more self-aware more self-connected. And, you know, when you are more self-aware and when you have more self-connection, you're able to generate more self-love. And from that, you're able to generate more self-confidence, but I'll leave that for a little bit later, but just to kind of really um, tease apart the, the benefits of journaling, you know, it's, you're able to just expel thoughts from your mind. And, you know, the key is to not sit there and judge. The key is not to go into it thinking that you need to be some profound poet or storyteller. It's literally just, you know, unleashing thoughts. Um, so it's like you going into this room with yourself, you're totally safe in that room. No one's going to judge you. Um, and, you know, allowing yourself to really kind of work through whatever it is that's on your mind. And when you start to create this habit of just a couple of minutes every day, even just I personally, I love writing in the morning because the mind is very fresh. I haven't made um, many decisions yet. So it really allows me to just go right into this space of freestyle writing and just kind of, you know, have thoughts exit my mind. And, but when you create this, um, this habit of writing, you will see it is undeniable that you will generate more self-awareness because you're paying attention to your thoughts. You're going to be able to read back and go, huh, look how I felt here. And look how, you know, look what I was thinking at this moment. And, you know, again, that self-awareness is going to lend to deeper self-connection, but I'll pause there for now and just say journaling is so important. It's a, it's number one. And then I, I definitely can't say enough about meditation. 
And obviously there are so many ways um, to go about meditation, but meditation is huge for me and for my clients. Mm, That's great. All right. So let's just break this down a little bit more and go back to journaling for a second, because for some that may be new to this, you know, I think a lot of people that listen to the show really want to figure out what's going on with their health. And so there's a lot of analytical thinking and trying different supplements and going to see different practitioners. And so, you know, and I've been there myself. And so we just, we think, and we want to figure it out, but that's a very left brain activity, you know? And so I think sometimes a lot of us, myself included at times, you know, forget that we have this whole right brain and, you know, there's this whole intuition and everything else that goes along with it. So sometimes with some of the techniques like journaling or meditation or the things, we may not be as used to that. So if someone is new to journaling, what would you recommend? Like, is it something where they should do it for a few minutes, longer, you know, should, should they get a fancy journal or should it be something where it's just a piece of paper that they can throw out later? Because people do say sometimes, oh, I don't want anyone to read it. And what if someone finds it? So what would you recommend? I think that that's going to vary for every individual, you know, like some people are motivated by, Ooh, I got this like beautiful new journal and, you know, like mine in particular has empowering words on the cover and they're always different. And I love that. It gets me excited. Um, some people might not want that. Some people literally might want the just scrap, you know, notebook, um, and that's going to be fine for them. So I think whatever is going to light you up and get you excited to, you know, start what I say is uh, rolling ink, you know, just to, to start getting your pen moving across those pages uh, is going to be the best uh, form of journal for you. In terms of time, you know, this is also going to vary. Everyone's schedule is so different. I would say that you want to carve out at least, you know, five to 10 minutes to start. And wherever that lands for you in your day, where you are going to have the most peace and ability to really just dive into self. Again, for me, that's first thing in the morning. There's, I haven't made many decisions, um, you know, and I have that, that time available to basically uh, dive into self and, and start journaling. But, you know, everybody's life is different. For some people, it might be the evening. So it's really when, you know, being able to carve out in the beginning, especially five to 10 minutes, I would say is a good, healthy amount to allow yourself to get in this conversation with yourself. Because if you think about it, it's kind of like, you know, imagine having a a conversation with someone in two minutes. It's, mm, I mean, it's not really going to go that far. Even five to 10 minutes is not that lengthy, but you can actually get a lot done in a conversation in five to 10 minutes, you know? So I would say that that's a, a good amount of time to start with. Okay. And do you recommend that people ask a question before they write? Or is it more sort of like a brain dump and, you know, whatever is on their mind, they just put on paper? I love the brain dump in the initial. I am a huge fan of questions. For people who follow me on social media, they know I'm the queen of questions um, because they're great catalysts, you know, to get into mind and, you know, dig deep. But in the initial, when you're trying to start the habit of writing, because I'll be honest, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are very intimidated by journaling. It's really, it's, it's fascinating. You know, it's just, it's you and, and this little book or this notebook, but there's still intimidation there. So I think rather than trying to have some like, you know, great formula, I think it just comes down to allotting the time, having a journal that is going to make you feel inspired to want to write, and then just brain dump, just let it out. No judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I know a question that a lot of my listeners are going to want to know after is 
once you do that brain dump and you do it for five minutes or so, and it's all on paper, yep. then do you go back and read it that day, the next day, a month later and analyze it? Or is it just brain dump and it's on there and then the next day we dump again? Um, you know, okay, I find that um, it's just keep it moving, you know, it's because if you start to get too analytical, you start breaking it down, you can start to create challenges for you to continue the the process. I mean, listen, if something really inspired you, and you feel like you want to go back and read it, by all means, go back and collect that beautiful, empowering energy. But the idea, especially in the beginning is just to create the habit and to do so without any judgment. And, and like you said, it's like really staying out of that logical reasoning, analytical part of your mind and just allowing your creativity and your imagination to flow through you. And then after, you know, you've generated, you know, you've like, let's just say you're a few weeks into it, you know, yeah, if you want to go back and, you know, check out a few things that you've written, um, by all means do that. I think that would be a great time, but not a lot of people are drawn to journal. And I don't think it's because uh, of a dislike necessarily. It's just because they haven't created a habit of it. So my first priority when I you know, ask people to start journaling is just to really get them to create this habit and for me, it's allotting the time, brain dumping, keep it moving. And then a couple weeks in, go back and read some things if you want to. Then you can sit down and start identifying challenges. You can witness your thought process and perspectives. You can start noticing results from actions and experiences. And then we get into like some fun stuff with visualizing ideas and goal setting and visualizing, you know, like kind of moving your mind through the desires that you have. And then self-talk and that, you know, but this is like after you've generated, you know, uh, a bit of a habit with writing. Right, right. Well, I'm so glad that you explained this more because yes, the habit is key, but then kind of giving them these little pearls like you just did, I think it's going to be so helpful so people can actually just get into it and start doing it. Now, you have a formula that you use to basically operate life from an empowered framework. And I know you have the four S's, the first of it being self-awareness, which is you know what we're talking about now with the journaling. Um, and you mentioned meditation as well. What are the other S's? Yeah, thank you for asking. So self-connection is the second one. And it really does come down to, to this um, sequential order, you know, so self, self-awareness, and then self-connection. And this is really where you get to, you know, what I call identity shift, right? So identity shifting, authenticity, creative expression, all of that is really going to take place within the self-connection part of the four S's. And then furthering that is self-love, right? When you generate more uh, of a relationship with yourself, you're simultaneously going to be creating more of a relationship with this kind of self-love that you own, right? In that you're able to generate more discipline. Doesn't sound like you know a connection to self love, but it truly is. Um, there's more accountability. There's more commitment, and it's really this language that you have with yourself, your self talk, your dialogue, and then the the final S, which is like the anchor, which is so important, right? So like when you run track relay, the anchor is a very important person, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to close the gap and win the race. That's self confidence. And anything to do anything in life, to accomplish anything great in life, we need to have self-confidence. So it is so important. 
you are better able to uphold strong self-confidence when you are more self-aware, when you have a deeper sense of self-connection, when you uphold strong self-love. To me, it's the most perfect, simple, I say simple, but kind of laugh because obviously it's not that simple, (laughs) you know, uh, formula. So self-confidence, you know, you have to create proof work. Uh, There's adaptability, there's immersion and resilience. And this is all, those are like little, you know, steps that I kind of hold underneath self-confidence. But yeah, those are the four S's that, you know, they really do stimulate this empowered mindset to, to be the mindset that is leading you through your life. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, you know, when we're dealing with health challenges, we have to be empowered and we have to believe that we can do it because if that's not there, you know, it doesn't matter how good your supplements are or even how good your practitioner is. You know, that part is just so, so important. So let's break this down a little bit. So if we go back to the second S, which is self-connection, and that comes after self-awareness, what would people do to get better connected to themselves? Yeah. So again, I think this is going to come down to journaling is a, is a great tool um, because you're going to be able to do the whole identity shifting part that I mentioned. This is where we go through like what I call mental landscaping. It's reframing self-identity by designing something that I really feel a deep connection to, which is the future self right? You're actually going to start creating this future version of you. So in the example of someone who, if let's just say I was ill with something, I want to start creating this future version of myself that does not have this illness anymore. What does she do? What does she, and this is all in the journal, right? You want to write this out, really create a connection to this, this version of self, right? So how does she get up feeling in the morning? What is she eating for breakfast? Um, You know, what are her habits? Uh, How how does she face challenge? What is her self-talk like? This is so useful when you are creating, when you're trying to shift your identity to literally create this future self and start to embody the practices, the mindset that this version of you lives from. So journaling, again, is going to be, you know, a home run when it comes to creating more self-connection. And then are you journaling that in sort of the context, like it's already happening versus it being in the future? You know, for me personally, um, I do both, but I actually just to totally be transparent and share. Um, so my future self, um, she has a name and, uh, and, and it stems from how I see her in meditation every day that I find that that's really helpful. So I kind of refer to her outside of me, but yet sometimes I am, you know, writing as if I am already her because the reality is, is that I am, it's just this expanded version of self. Right. So that's very important too. You know, you want to, see this person as yourself, you know, it's not some foreign person that you have no connection to. It's just the version of you that has expanded this kind of higher version of self. So to answer your question again, is I, I think it is both. Um, and then I I think for the writer, whatever you're going to feel more aligned with, if you're, you know, however you want to frame it in your writing, wherever you're going to create a deeper sense of connection is what I would suggest. 
Mm-hmm. Now, you also mentioned embodying it, which I think is so important because you can think something, right? But if you don't embody it, it's not really going to kind of come in to you. So what are some tools that you use to embody or any advice that you can give people to do that? Well, I love that. And this is like, you know, when we talk about questions, queen of questions, I love utilizing thought provoking questions. And it helps you become more clear on, you know, this it helps you generate more of a connection with this version of yourself, right? So you want to think just to give you an example, what would I'll leave the name of my future self out, but how would she approach this challenge? What would she be thinking about? What would her energy be like? You know, um, would she be composed? Would she be nervous? Would she be, and you really have to use your imagination and your creativity to start going there. And when you start to dive into those spaces of creativity and imagination, and you're actually writing things out in full detail, it's so much easier to start to go, oh, I get it. I feel this, you know, it's it's almost it's very sensorial. And then obviously, the key thing is to start executing in your real current reality, from that perspective, from those feelings that you gained in doing that work. You're right. When people really get into the writing and all the details and asking those thought-provoking questions, you almost can't help but feel it because, you know, you're almost like getting into the story, you know, almost like, um, you know, when you're watching a movie sometimes and you're really into the story of it, it's the same thing. It's just writing your own story, right? I love that you said that because I use that so often as the example, because it really is. Because I mean, listen, it is your story. It's your movie and you're writing it every day and you get to be, you know, the author of it and then, you know, turn the pages. So I see myself as an example as like, I'm the hero of my story, right? And I want her to win. So what am I willing to do in order to support her to win? And this is a powerful tool that is allowing me to continuously generate these wins in my life from the internal and the external. So in the case of someone not feeling well, like imagine Doreen, right? Going back to her journal, she's created this habit. And now she has this future version of Doreen who is free of all these symptoms and illnesses and and things of that nature. What is she doing every day? And how is she um, going about her life? And let's just say, you know, she wakes up one day and she's not feeling well. What's the difference in her mindset, future Doreen, you know, as she approaches that, um, you know, that illness or that unease feeling versus current Doreen. And then you can start to bridge the gap because you're going to decide in that moment, who do I want to be? Do I want to be her or do I want to be this version of myself? Okay, well, so what do I need to do to be more like her? Oh, let's talk about self-love. We all, I think, can use more self-love, right? I agree. (laughs) It's, I mean, if we all could just give ourselves more love, everything would be so much better. It sounds simple, but is it a simple? What are some things that people can do? Because, you know, again, we all kind of say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of us just don't do it. You know, it's funny. People see me as a very disciplined person and I won't argue that. I'm sure that I, I do, you know, enforce discipline at times in my life where, you know, it's important, um, where maybe I don't feel motivated, but, you know, I get asked this a lot. Like, how do you stay so consistent? How do you stay so disciplined? How are you, you know, basically, you know, how do you keep it going at the level that you keep it going at all times? And the answer is so simple. It could be annoying. 
but it always comes back to self-love. Always. Why do I seek challenges to grow me? Why do I encourage my clients to seek challenges that grow them? Because when you seek those challenges, when you go out of your way to do hard things, you are simultaneously saying to yourself, I am worthy of this challenge. I am worthy of the success on the other side of this challenge. I'm worthy to know what it feels like to try. It's so important when you going to train every day, right? I'm an athlete by way of life. Why do I do that? Because I love myself too much not to. I love myself too much not to know what a life of feeling excellent feels like. And I'm willing to do the work in order to to live this life. But again, that comes back to self-love. Self-love and self-worth are very, you know, they go hand in hand together. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone is not really used to this and they haven't operated from this framework, is there um, a tip or a trick that you can give them to just start to feel more of that self-love? How do I, okay, let me think about the best way. Because again, all everything always to me goes back to, you know, the greatest tool is writing, right? So like going back to future self, when you're creating this version of yourself in that next level kind of version of you, you're going to be feeling a lot better about who you are as that person, right? So what would that version of you, what would their habits be like? What would their self-talk be like? All of that, right? That we already mentioned. You know, one of my greatest, it it sounds so, it almost sounds like it doesn't connect, but it really does. I say, create a challenge for yourself. Create a challenge for yourself. I don't care if it's, I'm going to eliminate some sugar out of my diet, you know, this month, if I'm going to do 20 pull-ups straight this month, whatever the challenge is, something that makes you a little uncomfortable. I need you to get uncomfortable because in that discomfort, you're going to grow. That's where growth happens. But again, when you sign up for the challenge, you are simultaneously also saying to your mind, I am worthy of this fight. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the classic Theodore Roosevelt, man in the arena quote, one of my favorites of all time. You need to know that you are worthy to be in the arena. Win or lose, you are worthy of that fight. And when you start to feel that self-worth, it doesn't matter what the result is. It's the, it's the will to go towards the fight. It's the discipline to put yourself through the process to attempt the win. At the end of the day, yes, we want to win. But when you look back, it's not, you might lose, but you did the work because you told yourself that you were worthy of doing that work. And it is so powerful. Mm, That is really powerful. Because yeah, like you said, you know, you're doing this because you love yourself too much not to. You know, I think like there's a difference between self-love and self-care. And obviously self, like self-care is like, oh, I'm going to take a, you know, long, hot bath and, you know, with essential oils on Sunday and not, you know, turn on my phone. That's self-love. Well, I think that's self-care and for sure that stems from a place of self-love. But my, this talk around self-love for me is, is a little bit different because we're, we're tapping into self-worth and that is to me, 
the most powerful form of energy when we talk about self-love. Do you, do you know what I mean? Do you feel the difference? Like I do a bath or going to the spa or having this little piece of chocolate. It's self-love because basically you earned it and you want to relax and give yourself a reward. That's great. That's beautiful. I do all that too, but that is not the same as moving towards something that's challenging because I know that I'm worthy of the process and of the potential win at the end of it. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And you're right. I think at first it may seem like, oh, well, that's not where I thought you would go with this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because it doesn't sound soft and like, oh, it's so loving. But I do want to add this important piece. Self-talk, your language is very important. And this is where I feel like a lot of people fall short, right? A lot of people tend to be more... um, you know, not on their team than on their team. So I don't know if you've ever heard the term, you know, um, I don't compete against anybody. I compete against myself. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, you know, years ago, I used to say that too, like I subscribed to it because I get it. It's just saying like, you're in your own path, your own lane. And like what anybody else is doing, it's got no effect on you. Right. And, you know, there is validity to that, but Being someone who as creative and, you know, I'm an artist, as creative as I am, I'm actually very logical too. Um, And so, and analytical. And I started really thinking about that, um, that concept of, you know, me versus me. And I was like, wait a second, hold on. This is not true. I'm not competing with myself at all. In fact, if you listen to my self-dialogue, whether I'm training or just like, going through the challenges of my day, my self-dialogue is so me on my team. So I flip that into you got you. So it's not, Mm. yeah, it's so powerful because the truth is I'm sitting there saying to myself, you got this. Come on, let's go. Come on, queen. I love you. You can do it. You got this. It's literally like if you're watching a movie, you know, in the corner man in a fight, you don't hear you know, my cornerman going, yeah, you suck. And you come on, you could do better. Like it's, it's, the, <laughs> it's the opposite. But right. my cornerman is like, you are everything. Let's go. You got this. And so it's so powerful to start creating this language with yourself. And by the way, even if you just think about it for a second, let's just say you're going through something really hard. Doreen, we're going to go back to Doreen. Doreen is going through tough times, right? She's not feeling well. Her digestive issues are a problem and she just doesn't feel well. So let's imagine Doreen's self-talk. God, I don't know what's wrong. I'm just, nothing's working. I'm doing something wrong. I can't seem to get this right. There's something about me that is just not doing this right. And I don't know what to, you know, let's, okay. So that's Doreen version number one. Doreen self-talk version number two. I don't know what this is yet, but I know that I've got what it takes to figure this out. Even upholding like this connection to body, we're going to figure this out. I love you. I know we can do this. We can do this. We got this. I mean, come on. You can feel it. Yeah. It gives you instant ease, comfort, takes away resistance, gets you in the flow state. It's powerful. Oh my gosh. So powerful. I love that. And, you know, I mean, I think so many people think like, yeah, I'm going against myself and I could just be better with myself, you know, but it's, 
I, I, the way you flipped it, I, just, I love everything about that. And I'm going to use that myself. Thank Yay. you. You're welcome. I want to add one last piece to it because I know that some people could be thinking like, I want to make it clear that this is not babying yourself. So it's, it doesn't take away the push, the drive, the, you know, any of that kind of grit, you know, in terms of energy, it's not like, oh, you know, you can, no, it, it's saying like, I love you. We got this. And on whatever level it is, whether it's, you know, your health or your, you know, training or relationships or anything like that. Again, it's just a mindset approach. But I just want to make it very clear that by having this self dialogue, this self loving dialogue, by no means are you babying yourself. Not at all. You're, you're just supporting the most important person to you in your life above all, because this is a person that you're going out with, which is you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for sure. For sure. And oh, I think this is going to be so helpful for so many people. And again, I mean, it sounds like, okay, yes, like self-love. I mean, we all know that, but we just don't do it. And it makes such a difference. So when we then go from self-love to self-confidence, you know, I can see already by just the way of what you've explained, yeah. right? How that's going to lead there. Is there yeah. anything else that people could do to kind of help along with that? Any other shifts in their thinking or ways they can kind of think about stuff for better self-confidence? You know, one of the things I think is so supportive to really capturing the sense of self-confidence is proof. You know, you need proof that you can do hard things. You need proof that you are a finisher. You need proof that you can accomplish, you know, goals that you set for yourself. You need proof. So, you know, this comes back to then, you know, you need to be willing to step towards the challenge and do the work, show up to do the work, have strong work ethic. It's very, very important. And again, when you're doing it from this you know, heightened sense of self-love and you have that language, that dialogue that we just spoke to as you are moving through the process of doing these hard things, it is going to be very helpful to get you through it. And then, you know, when you have these wins on the other side or just like you, you're able to kind of, I mean, listen, we can all turn back behind us and go, oh, remember the time I did that and I actually accomplished this? Or remember the time I didn't think I could, you know, get through that really hard challenge or I didn't know how, but I ended up being able to do it? Well, it's that, you know, looking back and having in martial arts, it's like you get a stripe on your belt, you know? So you want to create this proof. You want to get that stripe on the belt. And the only way to do that is by moving forward and, you know, setting yourself into action in order to attain that. I really, really like that because I think so often people can sometimes look backwards, but the negative stuff could come up, right? So they may say, oh, well, like in Doreen's case, well, I already tried this diet. It didn't work. And I tried to do this, but it was too hard. And, you know, this person told me this, but they were wrong, right? And so we, instead of making these new gains, we're looking back at the things that didn't work, thinking that's proof rather than what you're saying is to actually go out and make new proof. Absolutely. And I think switching things up is very important, you know, pattern disruption, right? We, we can very quickly become systemized. 
I mean, even in terms of our thought process, right? And for me, I want to stay as far away from becoming systemized and kind of crystallized as I possibly can. This helps me to stay adaptable and this helps me to stay agile. And that is very important for life because life is constantly moving. Life is constantly evolving. And if you are not adapting and if you are not agile to move with life, then you are at a standstill. And that is a very uncomfortable and unhappy place, very unhealthy place to be, right? So in order to avoid that, we need to go out of our way to pattern disrupt, right? So, you know, rather than doing the same thing over, let's just say we're in the proof work section, right? And in Doreen's case, like, oh, I just kept doing that, but nothing showed me. Go out of your way, find something different, even if it's like the littlest change of something. You know, I'm going to take this out of my diet, or I'm going to get up five minutes earlier so I can put in five minutes of meditation a day. But you need to go out of, even if it's something like this, take a different route on the way home from work. Let your brain get a new stimulus from this change. It is very, very healthy for the brain, actually, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, but it's so easy to become systemized because that is where comfort lives. And again, comfort is, you know, the greatest enemy to growth, right? It really is. It's like you have to go out of your way to, you know, seek these kind of, and by the way, there was a big difference between discomfort and pain, right? So just going out of your way to seek some of the things that stir things up a bit in you, it's going to give you a new stimulus. And when you're looking at it from a very objective perspective too, like just to learn, like, well, in doing this, what did I learn? I mean, right there, you are just advancing yourself on so many levels, especially from your mindset. Mm. So that is, that's an important piece to it as well. Yeah. And I think so many of us are scared to be out of our comfort zone. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I love that you're saying that even those little things like taking different food home or just trying one food that's different or making a salad with, you know, a new vegetable one day, you know, that you know, those little things count. They really do. And I think it's important to point out because you just said, you know, spoke to that so well. I think a lot of times people get ahead of themselves and they, they create this whole, like, a, you don't have to do this whole full blown, like, change situation in one shot. You know, it's, it's the little, I always say inches make the mile, right? But most people are always looking about like, how do I just run the mile? It's like, well, you have to start by the inches. And what are those inches? The inches are the examples that you just gave, we just spoke to. It's the little things that start to build the mile. And I think for some people, it feels like, I mean, let's be real. It feels like it's almost more work because it takes more time and everyone wants it now and they want it more and they want it fast. But that there's no sustainability in that. There's no real connection in that. When you do this work and you do it in these increments and you do it steadily with consistency, because let's be real, I think one of the things that I have witnessed the most when it comes to specifically like health, diet, fitness that people struggle with, you know, and obviously this is not people who have like a real illness uh, or something like that, but just in terms of like trying to maintain health and wellness, right. For the kind of average capable person, the hardest part is the consistency. It's the consistency and it's harder to do those baby step little inches of work and stay consistent to build the mile than to have this, oh, it's New Year's and I'm going to just go full out and I'm going to do the whole mile really quick. Well, yeah, you might be able to do that for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, but 
then you're going to fall apart because you haven't really created the habits. You haven't created connection in doing those habits. And then this is like the nail in the coffin. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here is the biggest enemy to progress. Guilt. Shame. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? I know you <laughs> must have heard it so much too. I was so, I was doing so good. And then I was on it. And then, and then what happens is this guilt takes over. I was crushing it at my goal. And then something happened in my life or this event, or I got tired or whatever. And then, you know, it just, I fell off. And then what keeps the person from going back, number one, you don't really have the habits because you didn't do the inch work that we just spoke about. Number two is that energy that, that I'm guilty, uh, shame. I didn't do good. I quit or I, you know, I went back to my old ways, all of that stuff. And then comes the whole, well, you know, maybe I'll start all over next week, but you know, then the weeks go by and it's a whole nother issue. Right. It's really interesting. You know, this, yeah. but it's not, it's not original. I think that's a really important thing to point out. This is not original. This is what's happening all the time. And what I like to, why I like to point that out is because it's so possible to break this cycle, to beat this pattern of, of mindset of, you know, habits and things of that nature. So it's really something to pay attention to that, you know, this is something that a lot of people go through, a lot of people experience in their life. Um, but it is absolutely within, you know, the majority, I, I think, um, to be able to, to shift away from this kind of pattern work. Yeah. And I just want to go back for a second to what you were saying about guilt, because I think this is so important. And I think because we feel guilty, right, what happens then is we think, oh, well, I have remorse. So because I have remorse, I must be kind of really a good person. So it's okay. I'll just try again. Right. And then the pattern continues over and over again versus if we go back to what you were saying in that sort of self-love concept rather than it being like, oh, well, you have to prove to yourself, right, that you're a good person by having this remorse, which doesn't really get you anywhere. You know, if you have that true self-love and you sort of develop that over time, then, you know, it could be like, okay, I am worthy. I'm making this promise to myself and I'm going to do it inch by inch. Absolutely. Beautifully said. My hope is that in, you know, speaking to this, um, it really kind of lights up some people who are listening and go, oh, I really actually, oh, I do that or I connect with that. And the idea is, you know, when you realize it, you, because most people, I don't think realize it. They don't realize like this pattern of like, oh, now I'm in the guilt phase. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe for your listeners who are, are listening and go, shoot, I'm in the guilt phase right now. Well, here's the thing. You can totally get out of it and, you know, go back into these methods of like, you know, really trying to harness your self-love and self-connection, self-awareness. And, you know, for those of you who may be in this kind of guilt phase when it comes to your health and your wellness habits and routine, understand that it is a phase and it is absolutely possible for you to say, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to move into this kind of, you know, self-love and um, like kind of like be your own inner champion, right? That empowered mindset and literally start all over with the new day. Every new day is an opportunity. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's actually the truth. It really is. I love that. Now, Roxy, I got to know, I mean, you're doing 
a lot of things. You are an empowerment coach. You're a makeup artist. Um, you are the host of Black Belt Beauty Radio. And, you know, obviously from everything you're saying, you are living everything that you're teaching. So how did you get here? Tell me about your story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that question so much. Um, well, so as a child, you know, young kid growing up, I was always an, I was an athlete. I was a competitive runner. And uh, why I start there, because my story is so big, you know, for me, it's kind of hard to kind of, you know, take it down um, to make this super simple and, and, and fast uh, for your listeners. But I like to start with the fact that I was an athlete as a kid because so much of my framework and what inspired me um, started from being an athlete. So Rocky has been and still is to this day, my life hero, aside from my mother. Um, but, you know, when you go into this, you know, I had the goal of, of going to the Olympics. I ran track, I ran cross country, and I really fell in love with excellence. I really fell in love with, you know, I witnessed these champions who were just, you know, especially as a young girl, you know, living this really big life of just like grit and resilience and, you know, powerful execution. Um, it just, it was so, it was a turn on for me, you know? And then, you know, when I was doing my, my competitive running and all that, you know, I just, I really aligned, I felt a connection to this champion, right? So it's, it's very important for me to start there because obviously, you know, some of the things I do can seem, um, separate from each other, being a celebrity makeup artist, being an empowerment coach, do they, how do they work together? Well, they really do. So I've always been an athlete and I've always been an artist and I've never felt like I had to pick a side, right? So, you know, going through my life and getting to this place where I discover my love and this talent to become a celebrity makeup artist. I mean, that really stemmed from, you know, the, the desire to push forward and to enter this crazy world of, of a freelance uh, career, which is, it's crazy. It really stemmed from this place where I love to make people feel their best, right? And so I have this artistic craft that allows me to do it on the external. But when you work in the celebrity realm, you're working with, you know, teams. So you're always kind of working with the same people oftentimes. So you really get to generate deeper connections with them. And, um, you know, as I'm getting people ready, you know, cosmetically, I'm also having dialogue with them. And I've witnessed that I've been able to really, you know, impact their mindset and even just habits by way of life because of, you know, my habits. So, it's again, it's a big story to kind of, you know, um, distill down, but I think it's important to kind of capture as a child, I was so turned on by excellence and excellence was something that has always been driving me in my life. I want to live a life of excellence as an artist. Um, you know, I discovered that I was able to make women feel really good about themselves. And I really, really love that. So this whole sense of empowerment started to really come through and it's innate within me. Right. And then, you know, from there, I am an absolute, you know, when you think about a life of excellence, well, what does that really mean? It means I need to be feeling my best so I can perform my best. Right. I'm a high performer, but I'm a holistic high performer because I'm always looking at the entirety of my life. I'm not here trying to just kill it in the gym or here just trying to kill it in my career, etc. I want I want it all. And in order to have it all, to have this wealthy life that feels good from the inside and the outside, you need to pay attention to 
all of it, right? And so that, you know, is really what drove me to get super geeky into biology, nutrigenomics, you know, nutrition, and obviously my roots as an athlete, you know, have just been pretty steady throughout my life, but always finding new ways to challenge myself in, in that space as well. And, you know, being a curious woman who always wants to, you know, better myself and be able to support others in their life as well to, to live from their fullest expression and perform at their greatest level. Um, that's what gave birth to Black Belt Beauty Radio, the podcast. So that that was, you know, a big story. Um, but again, it's hard to kind of distill it down. Um, but hopefully that was. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it because it is like you said, you know, some of these things may seem like, well, how are they connected? But it makes so much sense. And yeah, it's about helping people to feel their best. And I'm assuming, obviously, when you say excellence, you know, for everyone listening, you know, you're not talking about perfection just excellence, right? Yeah, I guess, yeah, the language, you know, especially in, um, you know, in sport, it's like, you know, living life of excellence, it's excellence, it's, it's kind of more of a common um, word that we use, but it just basically means like, you know, every day you're reaching for a greater expression of yourself. I mean, listen, we'll go back to self-love for a second. I love all of who I am, all of what I've done, um, you know, the good, the hard, the, the not so fun, the times where maybe I could have done this better, but I did it this way. I appreciate all of it because I really appreciate the woman that I am today. And I would never be this woman if I didn't have all of these experiences. Right. So in saying I am a lover of excellence and I am always pursuing, you know, this next level version of self, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't value the version that I am today, the version that I was yesterday, I value all of it. I love it all. I have reverence for all of it. Additionally, though, I'm always going to ask myself, you did great. How can we do better? But I'm asking myself from a loving place. I'm asking myself from a place of self-worth. And that is the very, that's the difference right there. It's not because I'm not good enough now. It's because I love myself so much. What does better feel like? What does better look like? You know, can we can we try? Yes, I think exactly what you said, that a lot of people come from it, well, I'm not good enough, so I want to be better because I'm not good enough. But what you're doing is very different and it's it makes so much sense. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's what I have truly discovered to be so valuable for me. I mean, listen, my life has, there's so many beautiful challenges in my life, just in general, right? We all have our challenges. And then I go out of my way and I seek more challenge on top of it, which by no means am I saying that I'm trying to always have a hard life. Like my life is full of joy. It's full of ease. It's, you know, very harmonized. I don't believe in balance. I believe in harmony and there's a difference to me. Um, but it's, it, it's also to say that, you know, what I have found that has been the most supportive to me to move through this life of challenge so that I can continue to grow is this me being on my team business. It's this self-love. It's this keeping it so real with myself so that I can really pay attention and learn and then, you know, move forward with that authentic information to keep blooming in life. Well, I am definitely feeling inspired and empowered. I hope all of you guys are as well. Roxanne, 
Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on. And I feel like we have so much more to chat about. We'll have to have you on again and talk even more about all of this. I would love that. And thank you. Like I said from the beginning, it's an absolute honor to be here with you. Thank you so much. I love your mindset and approach, and I'm equally inspired by you. So thank you. As we just heard, our mindsets, thoughts, and emotions have a huge effect on our health. I will tell you more about what we did for Doreen in just a second. But first, if you want to contact or find out more about my guest, Roxanne Safi, I will have all of her contact information, links to her podcast, Black Belt Beauty Radio, and all of the other inspirational resources that we discussed at healthmysterysoft.com under episode 42. And in Doreen's case, I knew that telling her what to eat and not to eat was not going to get her very far. We had to work on her beliefs as well as her thoughts and her mindset. What we think, what we believe, and how we act really does affect the reality we create, so shifting that needed to come first. I asked Doreen to start journaling, and in the meantime, we started to compile a list of limiting beliefs. It took a little time for her to even see that she had some of these beliefs, but as we talked more and more, she started to put it all together. Once we had some main ones, the biggies included things like life is hard, things never go my way, I don't deserve good things, if I don't do it, no one else will, and of course there were many, many more. We then used the dot exercise to help her release those. We worked on it during our sessions, and she also practiced those at home with the EMDR 101 app. I also sent her some guided meditations to help her shift the way she thought, and she started to pay attention and observe her thoughts. Between all of this and the journaling, she started to see some light at the end of the tunnel after about a month. She loved observing her thoughts and writing those down. As she felt better and better, she started to see when the fear or negativity would come in and would reframe it immediately. She was truly on her own team now, like Roxanne was explaining. Through the journaling, she realized that she had a lot of hobbies and passions, but she was suppressing them because she didn't think her family would approve and really finally got excited about doing some of those things that she loved. As all of this happened, her attitude started to shift. And for the first time, I could see life in her. At this point, we were ready to address the foods and started to slowly transition her diet to a more whole foods type of diet. At this point, she didn't really resist. She actually tried it. And after she tried it, her stomach started to feel better. And unlike the past where she would just chalk it up to coincidence, she started to see the correlation. She changed more and more of her meals and saw even more of a difference. It was all working together And Doreen was finally starting to see lasting changes in her digestion and well-being overall. We were both thrilled. If Doreen sounds like someone you know, please share this episode with them. And make sure you subscribe to the show because the next health mystery I uncover could be one you or someone you love is dealing with right now. When it comes to your health, please don't give up. No matter how complex it may seem, there are answers. They may not always be what you expect, but there's almost always something you can do, and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening, and see you next week on Health Mystery Solved.
All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.